You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. That means like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and check out our YouTube page. Our guest today is Alain New, the man who knows. Alain New is an American mentalist, illusionist, television personality, author, and speaker. He's known for demonstrations of ESP, mind reading, telekinesis, metal bending, and illusions. He's the author of two books, State of Mind, The Man Who Knows Reveals the Secrets of Mind Over Matter, and Picture Your ESP, a coffee table book that will test your ESP. He is currently appearing Thursday through Sunday nights at the Alexis Park All Suite Resort in Las Vegas. We're seated here with the wonderful Alan New, aka the man who knows. Mm. Um, I'm really excited about this particular episode because. Um, and I'm speaking to both of you right now. Um, I've been wanting to, to interview uh, Alan for a long time. So Alan, I've, I've been wanting to do this for a while because I just like your personality. I like what you do. Um, I love the, the interactions that we've had when we connected over the last few years. Um, and so I just, I'm stoked that we finally made this happen, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right. And I always like to meet a new friend, you know, so all right. Here we go. Yes. So, Alon, I met you, I don't know how many years ago it was, just a few years ago, but we, because of a common interest that we have in um, what people sometimes refer to as urban shamanism. So before right. we get into all the other stuff, um, let's share a little bit about what that means. Uh, there you go. Kind of brought us together and, and, and uh, then we'll go from there. <laughs> Um, where where was that term coined anyway? Because as soon as I saw those two words together, I was just like, that seems to be the place that I belong in. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I'm in. Um, I don't know where it came from originally. The first time I ever saw it, there was a book that was written about urban shamanism, uh, you know, and it was uh, mostly to do with the, the Huna tradition, uh, the Hawaiian shama, shamanic tradition. And there was a book called The Urban Shaman. And and I think there are a few other things that were like that. Um, and I think uh, Michael Harner had The Way of the Shaman and, and there were right. a few things. And then on Facebook, I think it was um, Craig Browning, the magician, right. uh, started that, that whole um, kind of thing again. And it, it attracted me as well. Um, so... So let's talk about what that is. What, the, what does that mean? Urban What does it mean to you, first of all? Well, I like to think of I like to think of the stuff that I do as being, you know, shamanistic in the sense that uh, I am very intrigued by anything that reflects on the powers of the mind and the powers of self mastery, and then and then I like to, you know, and and then and then I like to think of how that. Uh, leads to self-transformation and how one can you know come out of anything you know when, when when you think of somebody like a shaman you generally think of someone who always has an answer when things go wrong and uh, and so you know 
my life is certainly not one in which nothing goes wrong, but, uh, but uh, I, I definitely want to aspire. You know, it's funny when it comes to self-mastery or the concept of self-mastery or shamanism, you know, I feel like as soon as you proclaim yourself the master, you're a douchebag. And so, so I feel like, I feel like the best way to look upon it is to just kind of always see yourself as the student of self-mastery and always, you know, look at yourself as always learning. And if you're always learning, then, then, you know, you're never quite there, but, uh, but the fact that you're trying to get there is the important thing. The fact that you're trying to figure out, you know, how to use our energetic bodies on this planet while we live here in order to express ourselves at the highest level we can is just basically what it's about. And um, I don't know what that means to you, but it means something really specific to me about, you know, focus and control and balance and kind of tying in all these things that, you know, keep us healthy and keep us motivated and keep us uh, pushing our own envelope. I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. What you just said reminded me of something I heard about success one time that really stuck. Uh, there's all this obsession about what success means. Um, you know, when I have, uh, you know, a certain dollar amount in the bank and when I have a certain amount of equity and when I certain, you know, have all these achievements, then, then I will be successful. And that just never really jived for me because that's so arbitrary. Like where does it end and where's the line and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's stagnant because once you achieve it, then you're no longer successful. You were successful. That's a thing in the past, the moment you achieve it. But what I heard instead, and, and I use this with my clients all the time, is success is defined as having goals and working toward them. If you're continually doing that, you are a successful person. You're filled and you're filling Absolutely. with success. Mm -hmm. So that's I, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just liked it. I kind of stuck in it. You, what you said reminded me of that. Mm, yeah. Um, me, you know, me, me too, uh, Alan, you, what you were describing reminded me of that old, you know, there's that old book, uh, the way the peaceful warrior with, by, by Dan Millman. And right. one, of the, one of the, one of the key lessons is, uh, his master had taught him. He said, he said, I I've shown you the way of the peaceful warrior, not, not the way to the peaceful warrior. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like that. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like, um, you're, you're not trying to become a, an urban shaman master. You're more like a, an urban shamanologist, always the study, of it, the study of it, the study of life, you know, not it. one who knows life, you know, but you know, an ologist, I guess, you know, great. So, cool. You a knack for I like how the inspiration notification came up just as you said that that was perfect. Oh, did it really? oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I do that on accident from time to time. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> so oh, very, cool. very cool. Wow. So, um, you know, uh, Alan, I, I had seen, you know, some clips of some of what you, what you do, um, you know, some of the entertainment work that you do that, that Carlos had showed me. Um, but I'd kind of like to get a bigger picture. Would you, would you mind just kind of like lay out the menu? What, what do you do when somebody comes to see your, your show? What are they in for? They're basically, so when it comes to mentalism or, you know, the mystery arts or urban shamanism, as we try to divine it as, I like to think of it as a, as, as kind of like a, a modern day mystery show, a sort of a modern day show that, uh, that uh, shares with people ideas that reflect on the powers of the mind. So anything that is what I do 
is not necessarily a, a magic trick, but it's more something that is about uh, thinking about how our mind works and how we might uh, be able to access some special power that we have via, you know, ESP or some form of telekinesis or whatever. And so I reflect on these weird subject matters on, on these things. And so I say that the on the bigger picture, you know, or, or, or on the surface, I would say that they're coming to see just an entertaining show but at the same time on you know on a deep on a slightly deeper level they're coming to see a show in which i'm basically explaining to them that uh that illusion and reality are kind of like a duality that form and that uh and and that you know you can't have one without the other and so although what i do might be a theatrical representation of what people experience in real life mm eventually that illusion turns into a reality at some point and they realize that uh that what i'm talking about is actually legitimate to a degree that uh that that actually you know uh affects them in some way usually later on after after mm. having seen my show that's pretty cool so i like what you said did you say illusion and reality are a duality is that, yeah is that what i you mean said? right okay yeah, yeah. Very cool. I mean, Very in cool. a weird way, every single thing that we think of is kind of like an illusion because it's just in our minds and it's not out there. And yet sometimes the inspiration that we come across ends up becoming the reality of our future. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, what I like to think is, you know, it usually hits us faster than we like to imagine it can. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well said. What you just said um, brings to mind the stickiness of these really ancient ideas you know it's the the ideas of um you know that there's something else beyond the you know the knock on the hard wood you know there's something about why we want to knock on wood you know what, what is that the superstition the and and then also the um the way we cognitively frame our experience uh going through life either as <clears throat> so-called atheists or religion religionists, you know, people who, who believe, um, who are believers, um, religionologists. Then, yeah. yeah. Religionologists. religionologists. Yeah. <laughs> they love it. Um, but no matter how much data science I see and things, things about, um, uh, uh, cognition and neurology and, um, you know, computer science and just everything, all, all the, all the cramming of data that we're, we're getting right now. Um, it, those old ideas don't go away. They don't vanish. It's like we're hardwired to have appreciation for it somehow, in spite of the fact that um, there are many people who are, you know, almost angrily or aggressively detractors of that kind of thinking. And I, I find myself, and, and I think Satch is the same in this way, we talk about ourselves as being open-minded skeptics. That's like a term that we use a lot in, in our show. Uh, because we are both really kind of riding that razor's edge all the time between, okay, um, having an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out, as the famous saying goes, and exploring ideas and being tickled by the fantasy, but also having really strange experiences that impact us, that cause us to have awe and a sense of um, maybe something being beyond what we could comprehend with our logical minds. Yeah, I, I like to think of what I what I when I think about that subject that you just brought up, you know, uh, experiencing things with a sense of awe. 
you know, there's so many things that happen to us throughout our lives that don't actually make sense when we when we really put our minds to it. Like there's so many, you know, like, like for instance, just me being here in Las Vegas the first time because I've been here twice within, you know, the past year. And uh, and so uh, so so the first time just being here in Las Vegas, there's a sense of strange, you know, like, how did I and get here you know i mean i and and uh and it was you know when i first got off the plane and i'm driving to you know the place where i was staying at and suddenly i'm passing a giant billboard with my face on it that's like you know 12 feet tall and 30 feet long i'm just going i know yeah, that guy. this is this is yeah i know that guy that was, a, that was a really crazy experience for me realizing that suddenly you know i'm in a place that you know i wasn't in before but they obviously think of me as a big enough deal to put that sign up there you know mm. and so that's a <clears throat> that was really impressive to me and it really didn't you know and and when i started to put two and two together as to how i actually got there you know i mean i know that i was working towards it i know that it was something that i wanted but how did it end up getting to me right at the beginning of 2020 right and that's a, just a strange time for it to start and then suddenly you know the pandemic rolled around and i was left flying home i was kind of like well okay well this feels normal <laughs> just because that always happens to me whenever good shit happens to me there's always bad shit that follows you know right after my t tv shows 2005 2006 we had 2007 which was the beginning of the global you know death of our economy mm. and um and so that was uh you know, so that's a similar type of thing that happened to me. But then coming even back to Las Vegas was kind of like, well, that's kind of interesting. I'm actually being called back way long, way shorter before than I thought I was going to. You know, I thought I was going to be in quarantine for a good long time. And then suddenly Vegas is calling me back to be a part of the uh, soft reopening. And, and, and obviously, because they are a hub of entertainment, it's something that uh, was necessary. And because of my success doing Zoom shows and doing corporate events over Zoom, which I quickly pivoted to right after the quarantine started. Um, that was very helpful. And it kind of made me, it was it was weird because as soon as I got back to Las Vegas, it was like suddenly the playing field was leveled. Like suddenly all of these people who I have such a hard time competing against because they're so famous, they can't do anything. And I'm the one that can do something. And so suddenly it's like, oh, wow, I'm yeah. actually... Now I'm I'm now the squid that can swim in the death waters that sharks die in, you know, and so it's a, it's a really great. Uh, it was a really great, you know, sudden feeling that uh, I have more control in this space than I thought I did. And then and, and mm. tickets have been, you know, selling out. Things have been going very well, um, uh, and uh, and you know I'm performing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night at 7:30 p.m. at the Alexis Park Resort. Oh my gosh. And uh, and it's awesome. And, you know, we've got a bunch of other shows that are there and and uh, all all of us just feel completely blessed because we know that our entertainer friends are not necessarily working anywhere in the world. But in Las Vegas, where we are a central you know, hub of entertainment, they had to do something. And uh, I think that they're doing it right at this point. I feel like uh, they are kind of reopening in a in a safe and uh, secure way that, you know, at the very least is is safer than restaurants you know restaurants are kind of like the worst places i think to go mm -hmm. to um, bars too, yeah. yeah bars yeah. and restaurants how yeah, are they maintaining the safety there at the show just just for the listener 
Well, when you get there, uh, you can you basically see that there's a food truck outdoors. So you can if you if you're hungry, you can purchase uh, food outdoors. Um, you know, everybody is masked as they walk in and through the hotel and into the uh, showroom. As soon as you're seated, you can take off your mask and you're encouraged not to move around or leave your seat from that point on. Um, there's one cocktail waitress that walks around and serves you drinks. So there's really only one person moving around in the room. So in terms of like, you know, air movement and ventilation, you know, there's uh, every showroom has to have, I think, two entrances and exits and uh, they have to have a certain height of ceiling or whatever and a certain type of uh, you know ventilation system so I mean it's a it's all policy and regulation driven but uh, but in the end you know people get to come in they get to see my show at a 25 foot distance from the stage yeah. so there are all these weird uh, challenges that you have to encounter like it's hard to see the audience from the stage when you got lights blaring in your eyes. You've got mm. there are moments in which you talk to an audience member, and since there's no boom mics in the audience, if they're speaking to you at ordinary, you know, volume, you can't hear them. So it's like, you know, I've got to say things like, I'm the man who knows, but at this distance, I'm not always the man who hears. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's great. That's great. What I hear from you a lot and what I see you expressing a lot is a lot of gratitude. I mean, yeah. you hear your, your roses and your thorns. I mean, you're vulnerable in, this, in the sense that you share when things don't go so well, but you also share a lot of really positive things. You know, it's, it's kind of like nice to see you as a whole person and seeing, seeing all of it. Um, I like how many uh, pictures you, you post of you and your sweet kid and, and you and your gal and, and you having fun with fans and stuff like that. So it's nice. It's, it's, a, it's a great it's a great thing to see that. I, I like that. I think you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel blessed? I do. Indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, you know, and, and all kinds of crazy things come from, I believe that gratitude and I, and I, and I strongly believe, and I, in fact, I wrote in my first book about this, uh, the idea of, of how one might experiment with the law of attraction and uh, and I just tried to put it all into like one very simple uh, way of uh, of you know kind of a modern way of looking at the law of attraction. And so so the first thing is I feel like the law of attraction is attracted to the gratitude that you put towards um, the universe. So I feel like when you when you think about the things that you are grateful for and appreciate on a regular basis. Uh, or even uh, particularly in meditation um, and when you're in a trance state, it, it reflects on your life in really, really positive ways. And so, so my, uh, in a nutshell, basically I have people imagine like a search bar, like a Google search bar. And instead of like uh, the animated images that uh, you would sometimes see Google do, uh, on the search engine, you would just imagine all of those things, the people, places, and things that you uh, have a personal love for and have a personal connection with. And you see those things just sort of scrolling around the search bar and you take a moment to, to you know, to really connect with each one and to show gratitude for each one and to not think of them as like one big lump of things, but to think of them as all individual things that you've had, you know, that you've had appreciation for and gratitude for over the years of your life. And, and, uh, and once you feel like you've, you know, 
you've got, gone through enough of those, you type in whatever you want into the search bar and hit enter and you imagine a bunch of links come up and you click on the top link and the idea there is to just simply get a receipt, simply get like one or two words that might empower you to move in the direction towards whatever goal you typed in originally. And um, and so at that point, since you can't do anything anymore and you did get that receipt and something that you can remember for later, you take that as a part of your memory and then you just kind of breathe in and imagine all of the things that you were grateful for sort of entering your heart. And then as you open your eyes, you breathe out and you just sort of imagine all of the things that you just imagined sort of becoming, you know, a, a part of your reality as you now see it. And so that was that was basically the ritual. I've used it now three times. And the first time it got me an extraordinary amount of money to get me through a really hard time. Wow. And, wow. Uh, the second time, and, and, and it worked so well that I was like scared to ever try it again. Okay. It was like, it was actually one of those things where I was just like, wow, I get, I'd be happy for just that one wish to come true. And that's, and I'm done, you know, I, I don't need any more, but then I did it again. And then before I knew it, I got the gig here in Las Vegas and then I did it again. And then before I knew it, I got back into Las Vegas. So, I mean, I mean, how unlikely could those three things be? And yet they delivered to me in this very, very fast, like under a week, like the first time I asked for money, I asked for money now because I was that desperate in the moment. Like I typed in money and then I looked at it and I thought to myself, I don't need money next week. I need money now. Mm. <laughs> and so just as part of the experiment, it was the most scary part of the experiment. I typed in money now in my mind. And then within two days, like a corporate event literally called me up the next day and said, can you do an event for me the next day? Wow. And so within 48 hours, I suddenly had money now, like, and, and it was on top of it, it was the only client of all of my clients that always pays me on the night of the performance. So, so it's like, how ironic is that? And then it was interesting just because after that, you know, it gave me just enough money per month to continue to live and yet work on finishing my book until I was finished writing my book. So I literally had one gig per month, which gave me just enough to live. And then it gave me just enough and it gave me enough time to, you know, to, to work on the book. And within four months later, I was, I was done with the book and wow. ready to move on with my life. So, I mean, it was, and, 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 you know, and, and the money had, had stretched to that point. So it was just a crazy, crazy thing. Gosh, that's, that's, an, that's so awesome. What a beautiful strategy that is. My goodness. Wow. It's very generous of you to share it with us. Yeah, yeah it's a very effective, you. very, yeah. very effective strategy. And it's in and it's in my book. And I and I like to think about those kinds of things when it comes to, you know, I mean, like, and again, I don't wanna I'm not trying to change anyone's belief systems or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, while we are here, we might as well just play with these different ideas and see how well they work. You know, in my opinion, I would have been just fine and it did not worked, but, uh, but, uh, and I would have tried something else, you know, but, uh, but the fact that it worked was really astonishing to me. And I love when that kind of stuff happens. And every time, like going back to our original conversation, every time I experience something like that happening to me, I take a moment to, 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 to write it down and to kind of make it a part of my like little collection of just weird stuff that has happened to me because I now have a, an, am an amazing collection of just strange ass stuff that's happened mm -hmm. to me that I cannot explain. And even as a person who has been 
who has been entrenched in magic for as long as I have, there is no way for many of these, you know, things that have happened to me to have actually, you know, rationally or logically taken place. So, so it's a, you know, and they, 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 run rampant from you know things that i've seen in the sky to weird ass ghost stories to to weird you know to weird stories that other people who i meet tell me to uh you know to to just uh to just you know strange manifestations like we were just talking about you need a, a strange ass stuff scrapbook <laughs> right? right i mean wow. so alan you you know you 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 cultivate a lot of awe you professionally create a lot of awe and so basically you're an ologist yes yeah <laughs> obvious yeah, yeah. awe logist yep. yeah gosh you know uh alana that uh that that google strategy you know that search bar strategy that you just shared um it, it kind of reminds me of this idea that um you, you have to it's like we, we can't really see ourselves it's kind of like you need like if you get something stuck in your eye it's hard to get it out you need a mirror you know what I mean? But then once you have a mirror, it's amazing what you can learn about yourself from this tool that reflects yourself back to yourself. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, you know, humans invented computers and, and everything that we, we do today with computers, um, really by building them as little, little representations of ourselves, computers work the way humans work. Right. And mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful how humans create computers and computer systems and then something like you're sharing a strategy that's basically we create something in our image and that image reflects back a principle that we didn't really know about that that right. you, can, you can you can cast your thoughts out into this this web and and draw back to yourself you know it's like that's just super cool to me somehow you know beautiful strategy you know, I was uh, I was on another podcast recently and, and they asked me, you know, what was the most uncomfortable situation, you know, or to share an uncomfortable situation that I was in recently that involved my what I do in my career and stuff. And I and I recalled this one this one uh, story of me being at uh, at Fox News anchor uh, and White House correspondent Brett Bears, uh, one of his parties, and uh, and he's got a lovely family, and uh, and he's really he's really a lovely guy. He's actually my favorite person on Fox, you know, as far as anyone's concerned, and uh, and he's in, he's a really really amazing guy, like on so many different levels. Well, anyway. I'm at this party of his and uh, and I do my show and my show does really, really well. And right afterwards, um, it just happened to be the year that uh, the Washington Wizards, which is where we all lived and uh, and uh, the Boston Celtics were actually playing against each other in the playoffs. And so right after I did this great show and so, and, and this is the other thing, uh, you know, uh, Gene Marie and Raul Fernandez, who own the Washington Wizards, are there in the audience. And Amy Bear suddenly says, so can I ask you a question? <laughs> and I kind of knew what was going to happen. Uh -huh. And then she goes, are the Washington Wizards going to win the playoffs? And that's just I, I mean, like, I just did a great show for them. So it's like, are you really going to make me, you know, completely screw this whole <laughs> experience up? Oh, and so 
So at that point, uh, I had been doing these strange experiments that are based on uh, uh, an experiment that my friends uh, Bob John and Brenda Dunn, Bob just recently died, so uh, may he rest in peace. But uh, Bob John uh, was the original founder of the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Laboratory at Princeton University. And uh, they're doing all research, right? Sorry? They're doing all this science and ESP research, right? Yeah, about mind over matter and primarily influencing primarily that. using random event generators right. as right. a way of being able to, you know, test consciousness. Yeah. And so so I was having lunch with them not too long before that, and they were telling me how they had played a football pool at Princeton University once. Uh, against a bunch of the other professors there, and they used their random event generators to predict the outcome of each game, and their random event generators made them win the entire football pool. And so, uh, so I, uh, so thinking about that, real and realizing that random event generators are just basically super advanced coin flipping devices, mm -hmm. I just thought to myself, well, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it's true when you think about two teams being at the at the height of their abilities. Uh, you know, opposing each other in a final, you know, who's going to win, you know, they're both damn good. So, so there's no way that, uh, you know, this, one of them is going to win and, and there's no way to really determine it. And probably the best way to determine it would be something random, like a coin flip. And so I said, uh, so, so, and I'd been doing this a little with some success before I even, you know, got there. So, uh, so when she asked me that question, I kind of quickly resorted to saying, well, you know, they say that uh, the best thing to do when two teams are at the highest of their game is to, is to just flip a coin and see how it goes. So I've got here a silver coin. We'll say heads is Boston, tails is Washington, just for the alphabetical correlation to that. And let's see how it goes. And I spin it on the table and everybody's watching it spin, get the Euler disc effect going and suddenly it lands on heads. And uh, and just then, so the my friend who was the uh, senior president at Goldman Sachs at the time was also there and he goes, spin it again, right? And so, <laughs> so like nobody wants it to go to heads. And so, so I spin it again, it goes to heads again, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so now I'm stuck, I'm in this position where I basically, I basically just told them through my actions that uh, our team was going to lose, and how. And this is right after a great show, so I'm just like, how do I, how do I spill those beans to the rest of mm. them and make that work out? So, quickly thinking on my feet, I end up saying this thing, which has ever since become a part of my philosophy in terms of how I like to view the world and how I like to view manifestation and all of that stuff. And so I quickly said to uh, Jean Marie Fernandez, I said, I said, you know something, there are two different ways to understand how reality works. And what we just saw is kind of a clue that shows us that we can watch it unfold by itself in that particular direction. So we might see it, we might be able to observe reality. And that's one way of being able to understand it. And when we observe reality, we're watching where we're receiving the information as it's unfolding. And, and through those senses, we can acquire a lot of information. But the other way of being able to understand reality is that we are energetic human beings. We have the ability to put our hand in there 
and mess things up if we want. We can we can actually we have the ability to force our own willful intent on reality and and it will actually change based on our willful intent and the only thing that will that may not do it is maybe somebody else's willful intent being more powerful than ours in the moment and so so if we look at if we understand that reality works in those two different ways we now see the clue that washington potentially might not do very well in the upcoming game so what you need to do is you need to tell all the wizards that the odds are against them and that they need to play extra hard because mm. because this this you know because this is serious you know if you know this in advance why not use that information for yourself in the future and so um so at that point jean marie says i like that answer <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and then i felt redeemed like i felt like i you know i felt like okay, I can go home now and not feel like I just put a downer on the entire party. Mm-hmm. And so then I went home and what I'm sure happened is I'm sure she didn't tell the Washington Wizards that the odds were against them because why would anybody want to do that? And then, uh, and then, and then the next week they lost. And so, oh, she, <laughs> so, she, uh, she didn't listen to the man who knows. Right. She didn't, you know? So, uh, I mean, I'm just guessing that she didn't, but you know, but it's yeah. funny because, because I really feel like that is that that's a great way of being able to understand reality is to understand that it can actually go in those directions and that you actually have the ability and it lends itself perfectly to the idea that our thoughts actually crystallize our reality. And so if you say things like I can't or this is going to happen or, you know, or you say, you know, I'm stuck then you're stuck then, you know, or you can't because you've just crystallized it and you just made it so that you can't. But, uh, but if you, but if you use the right words and you use the right strategies in order to impose yourself on reality and in the moment, it's uh, it's amazing what you can do. And it's amazing what completely magical and almost miraculous things can happen in your life based on the way you think and based on how you actually set yourself up and strategize how you think towards those goals. Wow. Wow. You know, that's great. Hold on. You've now you've, now you've given me two strategies in my mind to use now that will help me create my life. You know, I'm just, I'm picturing this coin spinning and, and, and suddenly what you shared makes me feel like I'm going from an observer to a creator. Like there's an outcome I want and that coin is spinning and can I influence it to land the way I want? rather than just waiting. I, I hope it, I hope, I hope, I hope it lands the way I want, you know, so you've done it again, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I'll take it even further than that, you know, because there's such an interest in, in, you know, when people hear about me and my reputation and stuff, I'm known as like a, as a person who's, who, who bends metal and who moves objects with the mind and who demonstrates telekinesis and stuff. And people are always trying to ask me about telekinesis and, and, and that sort of thing. And obviously there are ways of being able to theatrically create telekinesis for, uh, for entertainment purposes. But, uh, but again, I feel like, you know, the fact that there is actually a scientific name for it kind of shows us that there's an element of interest in the direction scientifically of what it actually is and so to wrap your head around telekinesis is it's very interesting to me and especially as a mentalist it's important that when i present telekinesis to my audience that i don't present it in a way that's going to lead them into into a direction that's going to you know that's just going to uh, force them into uh, a thought that can't be 
uh, worked with. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't. In other words, I don't want to lie to them about what it is, and I want to give them the most authentic, uh, you know, for the authenticity show, the most authentic approach as to what yeah. it actually is, because you know, you never, you know, especially as a mentalist, you are you are presenting things that are that are allegedly real, and you're presenting things that are literally on the fence as to whether or not we can accept it as real or not. And my feeling is that I, I want to be able to give people the experience that maybe we shouldn't, you know, close our minds off to things that uh, seem impossible and that maybe we should think about how, if, if those things have ever been thought of before as possible by anyone, then maybe it's a, it's, it's important to think a little bit more about how those things could be possible. Um, and, uh, and not let your skepticism, you know, uh, make you force you into a, into a particular frame of thought. Mm -hmm. So, um, so with regards to, to telekinesis, um, I think that it's interesting to realize that, you know, the, the most basic form of telekinesis, you know, in terms of our being energetic bodies on this planet is we can move things with our hands. You know, I mean, we can, we can, we, you know, so, 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 so as far as moving things with our minds, we can make our minds tell our hands to just go and move something, you know? So, I mean, so that's, that's the most, that's, that's what we can, that's the most surface level form of how we change reality around us. Right. Mm. And then, and then when it comes to conscious intention, you know, sometimes just our prayers and our wishes within our minds can actually, you know, change things up. And so I, so it makes me, you know, you know, begs to the answer of, you know, how does that happen? How is it that our minds can form an intention that can somehow come back to us? And, and it's perhaps because our thoughts are kind of like a muscle as well. You know, perhaps our thoughts are in a way uh, more of a conscious muscle that uh, through the way we think we are able to, we're able to move the direction of reality using our thoughts, maybe through persuasion, maybe through influence, but maybe through other means that are more mysterious than that as well. Um, <clears throat> because what I do know is that something like prayer and meditation can lead to things like healing. And, and so there are enough studies that have been made about that that uh, that has left the door open as to whether or not prayer or meditation can lead to healing. And so if that's taking place, then our conscious intentions have some effect on the molecular structure of of people, you know, and if our if our conscious intention ha has any effect on that. So if, if what I'm saying has any reality uh, to it, then then that's interesting. Then that actually puts us in a place in which maybe we should be thinking about that a little bit more. Maybe, maybe we should understand that, that perhaps the placebo effect could be the most interesting thing to healing in the 21st century, because already it's, it's difficult to beat the placebo effect with any pharmaceutical drug or surgery or anything. I mean, the placebo effect beats pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, 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 so just to think of it as a as something that affects molecularly is interesting. And then when when it comes down to you know the Pear Research Center and and people you know ions and people who are studying all of this stuff with regards to you know conscious intention on you know with its relationship to even manifestation, you know it's interesting because their experiments are mostly done on a subatomic level. So they're 
their experiments are done like using REGs and and you know random number generators and things that are that are uh, that are all about randomness. And so so in many ways, when it comes to their experiments on mind over matter or this idea of of telekinetic ability. That's taking it down to a subatomic level. And when it comes down to a subatomic level to me, and I'm just caveman here, I'm, I'm not really, you know, a scientist or anything. So I'm just kind of expressing my thoughts as an artist. Um, my thinking is that when you get down to a subatomic level, maybe it's not just mind over matter, but it's mind over circumstance. Maybe you can literally on a subatomic level change the direction of circumstance around you in a in in a way and and what's interesting to me about that is that like on the surface area you know we can move things so you know we can we can use our hands to move things and move this glass from one part of the table to the other plate table and so that seems kind of big right but then and then and then there are people like you know ted owens who was uh who was uh, uh noted by yeah, PK man, right? So I mean that guy that guy could literally point at a cloud or you know allegedly point at a cloud and have lightning come down from the sky. I mean that's like magneto level uh PK ability and the fact that he could actually predict things like weather formations and stuff like that does sort of lend itself to sort of macro PK, right? But yeah. the most interesting thing to me about this idea of macro PK and then subatomic PK is the idea that that as you get smaller and smaller into the idea of mind over matter over, you know, with regards to subatomic particles and stuff like that, when you get to the subatomic level, you're actually talking about circumstance, which is, which, which is kind of like the weather, which, whereas when you're talking about like, uh, when you're talking about like, uh, you know, uh, uh, prayer and meditation affecting healing, you're talking about, you know, healing a person, which is a little bit smaller than, you know, changing the weather, for instance. And then, and then when, and then when it comes to like, uh, you know, when it comes down to moving objects with the mind, you know, if you could move a pen or move a compass or move a side wheel or whatever, that's like really small, right? This is like on the physical reality. So, so on the physical reality of mind over matter, what we can do to the objects, the physical objects in front of us is really quite minute. But as soon as we start moving it down into like a more into a smaller plane, like, you know, uh, towards healing and towards the molecular level, then you're actually you're actually affecting a larger body and a living body in a positive way that's much more in many ways, much more productive than, you know, moving a side wheel. And then, and then as you move into mind over circumstance and the idea of changing and manifesting reality for yourself as an experiment for yourself, then you're talking about like literally changing your life based on how you think. And so that's, that's really, I mean, it's, it's really interesting just because, you know, you start with this idea of telekinesis and, you know, what is this idea of like moving an object, but you can kind of end with, the realization that telekinesis goes much further than just moving an object it goes to literally changing reality as at your will and so so that to me is very interesting and 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 you know again i'm i'm just thinking out of you know my own creativity when it comes to this but but it makes sense in a weird way to me and when i and when i try to do use my demonstrations and give people that type of inspiration it resonates really highly with them as well Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there for sure, and and uh, I think 
the way we frame stuff like uh, changing things um, can be different for for different people. You know, I, I think like um, it's pretty clear, at least in, in my experience of things, uh, that we do influence everything that we have any connection with whatsoever, whether it's people and I mean, hell, the the physical objects in my room right now and this computer all started with an idea. So, so to some degree, you know, thought is is absolutely at the root of all the physical things that we create. And uh, we may not have created the mountains, but certainly all the man-made things started as a thought. So the thought really was the creator of that thing. You couldn't have done it without the idea and not without the will to to mobilize the actions and the resources to make that happen. And then the skills to, to, to craft it into something. I mean, so the idea of like changing someone's life with their thoughts is really not that, that far fetched and even healing to some degree, uh, psychosomatic healing. Um, we know that if you change your brainwave frequencies, that can be changed by thinking differently, by visualizing differently, by shifting your moods, that's going to change the areas of the brain that are active, uh, where the electrical electrical activity is happening, it can change the the frequencies that are that are going on in the body, meaning heart rate, blood pressure, uh, brainwave frequencies, heart resonance. All those things can be influenced by thoughts. And so, why not? Um, if we know that that there's 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 quite a range of those things, then then you know, is it such a a stretch to think that there may occasionally be the maverick who is excellent at that, who has a special skill, who can who can do that a little bit more than the rest. I mean, just look at the physical stuff, the people who defy what, you know, lifting strength, running strength, uh, or they defy the ability to handle cold that goes against all medical um, literature about what we mm -hmm. can do when it comes to cold. You know, ice, Wim Hof, the Iceman, or various examples of, of, of people who are a bit super normal. They're a little bit like, like non-average, you know, above average. Uh, this happens with geniuses of, of all kinds. Um, that's what the subject of, um, one of our guests was, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Moore. I'm sorry, Dr. Jeffrey Mishlove. Dr. Jeffrey Moore is a friend of mine. <laughs> anyway. Jeffrey Mishlove is the guy who wrote PK Man about Ted Owens. Correct. And he has wonderful things to say about that. We, we, we interviewed him. We, we actually flew out to, uh, Albuquerque and interviewed him for a show. It was great. It was fun. And, yeah. yeah. We had a, a good time. Um, he's a really fascinating person, a kind of a, a hero of mine. One of, one of my heroes, um, but I mean, he has all sorts of interesting things. He's like one of the only people in the United States to actually have a legitimate PhD in parapsychology. So as much as people scoff and laugh and make fun of, of that kind of thing, um, I think they're, they're doing a disservice because we need to remain curious and open and, and actually see that there are people doing real research into it. Yeah, I mean, sure, there might be a bunch of bunk research out there. I really do like the way his mind works. He is he is skeptical, and yet he is very open to possibilities. And, and yeah. his research on on Ted Owens has changed the way I think about a lot of things. So, indeed, yeah. And some of the stuff you said before about about creating with words. I mean, that's exactly what the word abracadabra means. I think Satch may have said that, but oh, did uh, I? Exactly. <laughs> well, you said that about about creating with words, and oh. and that's what the word ab abracadabra means. It means I create as I speak. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are we magicians doing, uh, either in jest or, or or entertainment, but also ancient magic? You know, the the traditional mm -hmm. magic. Of mm -hmm. the so be it. So be right. it. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, um, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I'm no physicist, so, um, you know, I, I, I've forgotten the technical terms, but you know how you can, um, you, you know, the old experiment where you wind a wire around a nail, you know, let's say this is a nail and you put a wire around it, you run a current through it, it becomes a magnet. Right. Right. And this is, this is a true thing. We know if you, if you run an electrical current through something, it also will simultaneously generate a magnetic current. Realigns electrons. Yes. And, and our entire body is pretty much made up of electricity, right? I mean, our, our, our nervous system is firing electricity. So um, by, you know, just as a fact, we also generate these various magnetic waves. And, and I don't know who did this research, you know, off the top of my head, but um, uh, there was somebody who was, was theorizing that, well, yeah, okay, let's take the heart, for example. If you're running electricity through the heart, then it should be creating also an electromagnetic field. And he became curious as to how far outside of the body does that extend? And he found that it was, it was some, I mean, I don't know uh, exactly how far it was, but it was something like, you know, 15 feet or so outside of your body. They could detect this electromagnetic current coming from a person's own heart. Wow. Right. So, so mm. how could, you know, the electricity of our thoughts not be generating real physical influences on the environment around us or the other people that come into our sphere? And we know what that's like when, um, you know, maybe we're, we're feeling sad or down and we want to, we want the presence of a particular person in our life that we trust and love and right. Because it's almost like we know that that person's, electromagnetic field is going to somehow influence us in the way that we'd like to be influenced. Right. True. And um, so it just, it it just brings up that idea when you were describing, you know, this idea about how we can, can, you know, uh, influence the the manifestations, you know, or Carlos, you're talking about all the objects in our room started as a thought. It's almost like the thought generates um, a, a mental scaffold. And then if we have, the, the interest or the desire to then start to build off of that scaffold, then we can do it. You know what I mean? Or, but a lot you know, of the, yeah, or, or we just leave the scaffold alone and it vanishes and we never build anything from it. You know, sometimes, sometimes I don't, I mean, I, I feel like there's a missing piece of the puzzle that, that nobody understands as of yet. And that, and that, that missing piece basically causes the strangest things to occur uh, as a result of trying to like, for instance, I like to talk about Edgar Allan Poe because he's from Maryland, which is where I'm from. And, you know, obviously we have the Baltimore Ravens, which was influenced by his poem. And, and you know, Edgar Allan Poe wrote, uh, wrote uh, this a story called the narrative of Gordon Pym from Nantucket. And, uh, and it was basically the story of how these men got lost out at sea and eventually started to starve to death and then realized that they had to, they had to like, knock one of themselves off to to use their their body as food to uh, to continue to nourish the rest of the people until they could you know hopefully get to safety and and so they killed one of their one of their own uh in order to uh, nourish themselves and uh it's pretty gruesome when you think about it but but basically but basically the guy who ends up uh, the guy who ends up uh uh choosing the short straw and the person who they end up killing is a guy named Richard Parker in the story. 
And then like 46 or 47 years later, suddenly there's legal furor on international waters as they realize that there are like these sailors that have gotten lost. And in the midst of being lost, they, they decide that they have to like kill one of their own in order to nourish themselves. And basically the same thing happens as in the Edgar Allan story. But the strangest part is that the person who chose the short straw in this particular case, 46, 47 years later, is a guy named Richard Parker. And so it's like, wow. so, you know, what? I mean, the level of exactness when it comes to that is so, is so astounding. You're just like, you know, I mean, obviously there was, there was a length of time that took place between the first story and the next, but the first was a story. And the yeah. next thing that happened was, you know, 46, 47 years later as a reality. Similarly, like, uh, um, who is his, what is his name? Uh, uh, Morgan Robertson wrote a book called The Wreck of the Titan, uh, 14 years before the Titan, the, before the Titanic actually left uh, the port. And The Wreck of the Titan was a story about a ship that had pretty much the exact dimensions of the Titanic. It was called Unsinkable, wow. like the Titanic. It, w- it left England and uh, towards the North Atlantic, like the Titanic, hit an iceberg like the Titanic, yeah. and nearly everybody died like the Titanic. So this is 14 years before the yeah. case. It was entirely story was written by a by by an author that just wrote the story as a story and then and he did he had no idea that they were going to do every and then the name of the ship was called the titan Titan. which is like only two letters that's that's a mentalism technicality known as off by two uh yeah oh (laughs) off by two that's great wow this 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 guy should be tried for murder right because he he invented this catastrophe right (laughs) right um, well, you know, I, I never realized when you, you told that story about Richard Parker, um, that, that was the name of the tiger in The Life of Pi. Was that oh, it? Right. Richard, Richard Parker. I, I guess right. that's where that came from. I, you know, that's the. I, I wonder. That. That's yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Huh. You know, you probably combine so many different things into what you do, I'm sure. I mean, you, I think sometimes um, when I think about magicians and mentalists, they seem to be the, the sharpest cats, you know, in, in, in the sense that the way you think on your feet, the way you frame ideas and the practice you have of handling uh, seemingly random things coming from the, from the audience and all that kind of stuff. Um, how has that changed who you are on a day-to-day experience with people and the people that you become close to? Because you're obviously understanding so many different layers of what's happening in an interaction that's different than the average person. Well, I'm over 50, but I've got the maturity of a (laughs) (laughs) 38-year-old. And... uh, and uh, I, I can say that uh, I can say that I do. I, I I try to stay. Yeah, I try to stay chill. I you know I, I don't I don't like to over I, I don't like to uh, over acknowledge my own knowledge base about what I do and what and, and, and who I am and you know in and you know when I'm in front of people who I've just met they rarely know that I do what I do at all and I'm really more interested in what they do and and what we're doing in the present and i try to live for the present so i'm i'm not really i'm not really living off of you know like i don't spend a lot of time outside of what i do on stage and in front of you know audiences 
thinking about what I do because I feel like I've done that my entire life. I feel like it's now time for me to just reap the benefits of what I know and uh, and try to live a normal life. And and you know, and it's funny because as as a person who calls himself the man who knows, and as a person who who does a show that's as as, as extraordinary as it actually is, and I'm even proud of the show as it is right now. You know, it took me a while to to make the show feel like it was on the level of my live show. And I have to say, even at 25 feet, my show right now is like doing so well, the tickets are going really well and and uh, people are really enjoying it. And so, and I feel like I'm giving Las Vegas something a little different because it's not just a mind over matter show. It's not just about a show about, uh, about uh, what we can do with our minds, but it's really about the show uh, it's really about that plus the fact that we're at 25 feet and that this is actually like kind of a weird experiment that you're part of history right now because we're in this position that we have to do this and and so uh it's very much about the present um i i as a performer i'm all about trying to be present with the people who I'm performing for and so so you know every night the show feels a little bit different just because the present changes you know slightly and so so I would say with regards to that, you know, um, I'm, you know, outside of that, I really just try to hang out with my buddies and, and, you know, talk about other things and, you know, what's good on Netflix and uh, <laughs> just the usual kinds of things. And, uh, and, and, and I save my, I save my ability to be erudite with my audiences to the stage, you know, and, uh, and uh, I don't really let that, affect me outside I, I really become mild manner alon new you know outside mm. of the uh outside of the stage mm -hmm. very nice a true professional yep that's <laughs> that's that's what that means yeah true professional amazing what how old were you where were you and what was it that brought you into this whole journey ah. Well, magic was the the big thing. Um, you know, it's funny because again, I'm 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 really interested in I'm really interested in real magic. I'm really interested in how we actually use our bodies and minds and hearts towards actual manifestation in a very real way. And you know, as hip as as a as a fellow hypnotist, I'm interested in self transformation and and everything that I can do to help the people around us become better at uh, just living their lives and appreciating what they have um but uh but as a as a person growing up i was i was really interested in magic both of my parents uh when they met in laramie were studying library sciences and uh by the time i was born in san francisco and you know uh, five years later my uh my dad had gotten well five years later my dad gotten a job in ithaca new york at cornell university but then by the time i was seven we were moving to uh to washington dc because he had uh he had uh leveled up to the library of congress and wow. then and you know and at that time it was basically like google you know like having having google at my disposal so when he told me that he was working at the largest library in the world and what would i like to learn because he was just trying to get me to read i just thought <laughs> you are working in the largest library in the world i can learn <laughs> thing i'd like to learn about magic how's magic you know oh. like you know it was almost like a challenge to see if he could do it and then when he brought me back a whole bunch of magic books and not all of them were you know some of them were actually like ceremonial one of them was called ceremonial magic and you know and it was like obviously not uh the kind of stage magic that's uh 
or so and then and so and you know and then one of them was the necronomicon and so it was just like <laughs> so i mean there was some really weird ones in the in the books but then one of them was walter b gibson's you know the master magician which you know at the time i was really interested in superheroes and you know, primarily just because each superhero had like a had like a super characteristic, you know, Aquaman had like his connection to the water and Superman was just, uh, you know, a freaking crazy uh, alien. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, 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 you know, and then and Batman was uh, he had the power of being rich. And so, uh, so, you know, there, so <laughs> all of them had like these different abilities. And I'm just and then and then when I got introduced to magic you know as a as, as an art form you know among among magicians i realized that magicians are kind of like that also they are actually kind of like people who are who are interested in 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 developing their own abilities and their own style and you know chungling su was sort of like a master yeah. you know asian illusionist and then houdini was a master of escapes and no jail could hold this guy and you know and then and everyone had like you know keller was had this levitation thing going and so it's just like all each of them had like their different abilities similar to like how superheroes had their different abilities and so as i was learning that i was it kind of blew wide open this inspiration that i could develop an ability somehow you know <laughs> i don't know what that ability is going to be but i want one and uh <laughs> and uh and so i started studying magic and that became you know fun but where that eventually led me to by the time I was 13 years old was a place opened up in Maryland where I was growing up um, called uh, Dream Wizards. And Dream Wizards was uh, owned by a guy named Mark Cherbinsky, who was at that time a 40 and philosopher and also and also a, a magician who was a mentalist and a seance medium. And so and so he had this like kind of triple threat uh, identity of, of being someone who not only was uh, very interested in strange phenomenon, but also interested in mentalism and, and you know, talking to spirits and stuff. And then his best friend was none other than John Kennedy of Kennedy Enterprises, who was one of the most creative magicians in the world on a on a magical, you know, t technical level. And so and so even though they were two completely different kinds of people, they were best friends. And John was just at the top of his game and he became kind of my first magic teacher. Um, and uh, I was very lucky. I mean, you know, basically, you know, I didn't know who I was going, who I was meeting at the time. And I only realized later on that he was like one of the best of the best. And then um, and then later on, like a, a few years later, uh, by the time I was 18, I met Denny of the Denny and Lee show. And his show was an illusion show. And it was basically a stage show. And it was a touring show. And he asked me to be a stage manager and at first I declined, but then <laughs> suddenly my job disappeared and I needed a new job and I ended up being on a show and he loved me because I was Vietnamese and he had spent, you know, six tours of duty in Vietnam um, as a soldier and uh, and his assistant was also Vietnamese. And so so we ended up uh, kind of becoming a, a, a three person act and uh, um, it was mostly his show and I mostly just did music and lights and, you know, move props on and off stage and stuff, but uh, it was a job and, uh, I was with him for 10 years mm. and I learned, you can't, you can't be with somebody like that for 10 years and not know, not, not learn something important about how to, how to continue on with yours. And with Denny, again, it was one of those situations which he hired me. I had no idea who he was only now that he's dead and that his book has come out you know do i realize 
I had one of the best freaking teachers on the planet. You know, I mean, he, there was nobody who could have taught me what I know as well as him. And when I say that, I mean like the business of what I do. I mean, the business of being an entertainer, how to actually, you know, make contacts and how to actually do the business in such a way that you can be successful, you know, being an artist. And, um, Danny had that model down and he taught it to me and, and it definitely, you know, it, the stuff that I do isn't similar to his repertoire at all. I'm one of the only, I'm his only student in which nothing I do in my act is anything that he's ever done in his. However, the model of the business model that I've put together is very much, you know, has his, has, has his philosophies and his name all over it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for having met him and he's, he's such a, he was such an important person in magic that, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that, uh, that I was so lucky to have him for 10 years of my life like that. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I was uh, probably seven or eight when my, my father got me a couple of books. Um, they were focused on the, the, the famous Dunninger, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a, it had, I remember just going page after page, looking at the tiny little images back when my eyes were awesome um, and, and seeing the, the, the black and white drawings of the mechanisms and the various older ways that they accomplished um, stage magic and various illusions and, and I would spend hours thinking about how I could do that myself. I never followed the path um, of becoming a, uh, a stage magician or any of that kind of stuff. I've taken classes and things like that. But the ideas behind them have always fascinated my mind. Always. And I have, you know, I agree. I feel like the one thing that magicians are extraordinary at doing is being able to take principles and techniques from other realms and apply them into their realm of magic. Mm. And, uh, and the application ability for a magician is actually, I, I think is much more advanced than the average human being. Like I say that most human beings can apply knowledge from one thing to another occasionally but but magicians do it so effortlessly because they're so used to doing it you know with everything that they do and they 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 immediately almost as soon as they learn some new concept from something else do they start trying to figure out how they how it can be applied into their magical you know craft on some level and uh in fact a student of mine who was 17 years old this guy cole lee who's from the la area uh he used to be he used to inhabit the magic castle as like one of the castle rats like going into the library and just like reading the books and stuff like that and when he when i first met him and he was just a teenager i was just like you know i don't teach teenagers but anyone who bothers to like walk to the magic castle and like go through their library i'm going to be interested in that person i'm going to be interested in that student you know and so he ended up uh, applying for stanford uh institute in stanford university just recently and he asked me to write a letter for him a college letter for him and you know and the truth be told i have no college degree and and i'm really just uh, an artist by trade so i was feeling kind of uh i was feeling a little bit uh intimidated by the notion of writing a college letter because I'm not even a college educated person, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, frankly, my philosophies of college is kind of like, you know, not, not exactly on the, I don't even know if I advocate the idea of college, you know, but, uh, but, uh, but he really wanted to get into Stanford and I just thought to myself, okay, well, I'll write him the best letter I can. And, you know, and one thing I do know is that I'm a pretty good writer. So, so, uh, 
so I basically wrote him this letter and the letter was, and it ended up being so good. Like it basically talked about this idea of how magicians are really good at applying things and how, you know, how, what they would be getting if they brought him into their student body as a person who knows how to take, you know, who's not just a great magician because that's his hobby, but is somebody who actually can take principles and ideas and techniques from all sorts of different forms of learning and apply them into, into other ports of learning. And that, and that being a magician actually gives you that skill that is, that is just not a typical skill that you find in most people. And so, and so I basically really sold them on that idea. And the next thing you know, it, he got accepted into Stanford yeah. university. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm sure he had other college letters that supported him really highly on that one, you know, and he did, does have an incredible grade point average that would, that would potentially get him in. But, uh, but just thinking that my letter had even an inkling of help to get him in there was just really exciting to me. Mm, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, way cool. I like that. So, um, Alon, you said that uh, you wrote a book. Is it out? Is it not out? Uh, what? Oh, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, what do I've you got, need to know here? I've got two books. Oh, have, great. Uh, okay. I have State of Mind, The Man Who Knows, Okay. Reveals the Secrets of Mind Over Matter. Okay, great. I have Picture Your ESP, which is basically a coffee table. It's a self-test book with lots of different photographs and stuff like that in there. The idea is that you challenge yourself against chance. And so, uh, so you know, a question is asked of what you will see on the next page and you kind of meditate on it and jot down your answers and then you turn the page and see how close you came. Oh. And that's the scoring system. And my prediction is that uh, if you go through all 30 challenges, you'll find that you have an above average ability over chance, which is uh, which has been a scientifically proven thing. But I think that huh. it's interesting to just try it yourself to give you uh, to give you some confidence in your ability. We were having some fun with your name, and 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 uh, I was just thinking right now, out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, what's funny about my name is uh, my my first name is French. My father was uh, was really heavily influenced by the French and French cuisine and stuff, and so my name is French. My last name uh, is actually a stage name, but uh, but I went with new um, actually because of. Uh, famous Las Vegas magician, Jeff McBride, actually, uh, one oh, day yeah. when, I was, when I was really, really, you know, when I was just getting started, I might've been like 19 or 20 years old. He basically Another said, one. he said to me, uh, you know, you should just drop out, uh, all the different letters of your, of your last name, Nguyen, and, uh, and change it to new. And it'll be easier to pronounce. It'll be easy to remember. It'll be easier to spell. And, uh, wow. and why don't you do that? And so I, so I thought about it. And then, and then what the tipping point was me realizing that I could take a lowercase n and a lowercase u, and it would be sort of like a yin and yang, you know, because mm. because this, they, they are literally, you know, yeah. just, just the same the same shape but in opposite positions. Yeah. And so. Um, so as I uh, as I started thinking about that, I realized, yeah, I'll, I'll change my last name to New. But then what I didn't realize is that in French, which my first name is, New means naked. And so, uh, so if you do a Google oh. image search on Alain New, you'll see lots of photographs of me at the top. But as you scroll down, you'll see lots of naked pictures of guys named Alain. Hmm. So. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's let's do a screen share real quick, and we'll do a quick Google search. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Oh, great. 
I like this conversation, Alan, because um, you know you bring somebody on who's you know um, uh, a performer, right? You know, kind of in the world of magic, and yet um, we talked a little bit about that, but really we just talked about mind and body and spirit and health and creativity and manifestation. And, you know, um, it's, it goes right in line with what you're saying that, that magicians pull from all these different areas, you know, and then pull it all in and integrate it. And um, uh, it's so cool to talk to a, you know, kind of a magician yet here we are, we're talking about the exact sort of things that we talk about on the show all the time. There you oh, go. That's, you know, well, that's, that's awesome. because I'm a yeah. special type of magician. I have to say yeah. that my biggest disappointment in most magicians is that they actually don't believe in magic. Most right. magicians actually have this have have a thing that they can't get through a little uh, like a roadblock in their mind where they believe that everything is an illusion, and they they start to believe that everything not only is everything an illusion, but they can probably recreate anything that uh, doesn't seem like an illusion as an illusion. Uh-huh. And the and the problem there that I have with that particular philosophy is that yes, you can. I mean, that's the beauty of being a magician is that you can recreate just about anything as a magician, and you can create just about any circumstance to occur as a magician and and magic in and of itself is literally an exploration of those things that are impossible. It's like, how can I take, how can I make possible the impossible is what a magician is constantly thinking. Um, But, uh, but I feel that uh, there's a problem there when it comes to believing that everything is an illusion, just because, just because it, it leaves out the part of your life that actually is a mystery. And I think that that, 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 you know, everything that we are given as human beings from, you know, our understanding of, of, uh, you know, education and how we, how we, how we live logically and rationally to, to how, um, to things like religion and how we live in a way that, uh, that shows us wonder and creation you know, I feel like that's just part of who we are. We have, you know, you know, there's a side of us that is going to be skeptical and that will explore our ability to, uh, you know, understand the physical components of our reality in, in, in that way. But there's also a part of us, if we do accept to choose that direction, that will that will actually look at ourselves as spiritual beings and as beings that can actually think about how we use our own spirituality and how we might even discover magic within ourselves. And so I feel that, uh, I feel that magicians who say, who, who start to dis the bigger magic with the big M with the capital M, I feel like the problem with that is that they're just taking out that entire part of their life that, that can be so enchanting to them if they actually bothered to reflect upon it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and I feel like those people who are skeptical are just missing out on the fact that uh, there's an enchanting part of their life that if they just simply, you know, observed it and tried to have some appreciation for it, their life would be a lot more interesting and, and they would have a lot more cool things to talk about. Wow. <laughs> they, 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 I was going to say they, they might even end up on a big billboard in Las Vegas. You never know, yeah. right? <laughs> there exactly. you go, right? And then wonder how they, how did I get here? Right. So, <laughs> I mean, what, what you're saying is, is, is that to me, um, you know, it kind of, it reminds me of the idea of being impoverished in the soul, you know, the kind of like mythically impoverished. And we need those things um, to encourage us. I think as a human race, especially when times are dark, um, we always have used those things to get us through those things. We have for countless centuries 
of doing that um probably you know um so we can't really dismiss that and 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 i i think like yeah sure uh, is love real i mean by what do you mean by real are you gonna just kind of describe this as a bunch of chemicals in your brain or, or a certain kind of a neuronal activity that goes on in the brain or, or whatever it is or is it what motivates um the greatest art in the world and poetry and incredible devotion and incredible sacrifice for other human beings and 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 just like the spark of life you know you lose that joie de vivre that if you don't have that and certainly you could as a magician or as a just a person in general mimic all of the qualities that love has you could you could fake it you could make it appear as though you're deeply in love and we call those people narcissistic sociopaths but <laughs> um you know uh the truth is uh, those of us who really feel it genuinely in our heart know that it's real for us and maybe there's no uh, maybe that rings true that's why that beep just happened yeah um but uh the, the the magic that is missing for those people who become almost angry almost violently angry at the the mere suggestion that there's something else other than what we know in 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 the the books of science i guess um i it always strikes me as a wounded kid a kid who had his dreams broken because they were told that the easter bunny wasn't real or something like that and now they're an adult now they're in the know they're quite intelligent and now they're on a mission to make sure that nobody else believes that <laughs> right right yeah. strange yeah totally <laughs> people have made their whole careers out of it you know yeah. out of doing that and being that person the naysayers mm -hmm. yeah debunkers debunkers <laughs> they're just not the person i would invite to the party i'm telling you right now no who needs a debunkologist? <laughs> yeah who needs a debunkologist at your party Stay the fuck know? home okay i don't want <laughs> at, my, at my castle uh, Hey, this is beautiful. Thanks for this wonderful exchange, both of you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. A wonderful thing to do, and, and, and I loved being a part of this. I've yeah. been uh, I've been waiting for this moment to hang out with you guys, so it's been great, and uh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right, Alon. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank yeah. you. So nice to meet you, Satch. <laughs> All right. Carlos, it's great to see you, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll just keep positive and stay negative and come and get vaccinated and come and visit me in Las Vegas. You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our guest, Alan New, The Man Who Knows. My name is Oliver Alti, and I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. Please connect with The Authenticity Show on social media, and you can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day.